I'm going to start and, and just kind of throw something out that doesn't really have anything to do with class yet because I had an interesting conversation yesterday. So I have children that are at a variety of age. I have an eight-year-old son, and he plays baseball now. And I'm not a baseball player. Any of y'all baseball players grew up playing baseball? Nobody? You did? You did? You played baseball? I don't... Where at? You were the first girl? Look at her go. Get, was it was it tough to like break that barrier? No, I mean some people might say it was because my dad was a coach. Well, that could be. <laughs> he broke the barrier. Ah, gotcha. Well, still, I don't. Well, I've never been a good baseball player. I played one season of baseball, softball as an old man. I played for this group. We were I was part of like this inner city church, so we played in this league in Nashville, and we all wore like basketball shorts down past our knees and all these guys had like full-on uniforms we had a $30 bat from Walmart they had like $800 bats from who knows where and finally we never got a hit and finally one team felt bad for us and said hey we're gonna give you our our bat our second bat so you guys can actually have a bat to hit with because our bat was so cheap but I say that by saying I never spent a lot of time at a baseball field so last night at six o'clock I take my son to baseball practice, his second practice, first time at the field, right? And so I'm big on being the dad that helps out. Like I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team. I want y'all to know that. Don't feel like I'm a slacker, just like being that parent that doesn't help. Um, my son plays basketball. I'm the one who takes temperatures, right? So I do like to help. But when it comes to baseball, I just don't know anything about it. And I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I don't, I don't want to, I can't help because y'all need to help me. So I'm just that parent that's sitting in the bleachers watching. And I don't like that, but it's okay. So anyways, baseball practice starts, and these kids run out. And I just kind of walked up to the fence, and it was just this beautiful night last night. Uh, you know, the, the, it was getting dark at 6 o'clock. The lights were coming up. The grass was like this beautiful. I don't know how they get baseball grass to be so perfect, but it's better than soccer grass. It was just like perfectly cut and green. And the dirt, it smelled good. I just felt like... This is actually a cool spot. And I was just kind of <laughs> admiring it. And some guy came and stood next to me, and we were making awkward small talk, right? And, and he turned out to be from Chicago and was a huge baseball fan and was happy his kid was playing. And he said, you know, this is kind of like my church right here. And he stood there, and he was talking about how it almost was like a spiritual thing. And I stood there, and I was like, I can see that. I, I can see how you could be here and be like, I feel close to God in this environment. I, I, I mean, it's not mine, but I can see how somebody was. And so last night I, I had this thought, and I wasn't even going to talk about it in class until David's sermon today, and it, it kind of inspired me to th say, let's talk about this briefly. I had this thought of like, where do I go to, to feel, where do I feel like I, I have a closeness with God? You know, like I, I, I think this guy was saying, hey, I, when I'm at the baseball field, which, you know, it's probably not the best place because you don't go there that often. He felt close to God. I thought, where do I go to feel close to God? And I started thinking about it and how important that is. Where's my, 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 my place to, to have quiet time, alone time with God? And, and I started thinking, and, and I started thinking, mine is probably when I'm outside at my house and I'm, and I'm working in my yard. I know that sounds weird, but I love it. I, this time of year... I don't go inside, like, look at my neck. Can y'all see this right there? Y'all see? Yeah, that's just from yesterday. Like, and, and I will one day 
grow up and start wearing sunscreen. We need to take up a collection and like, buy you some right now. Well, I know. But that's why I just keep my neck. I'm just going to, this neck gator is going to stay past COVID in the, you know, in spring. I'll just wear it. No, I'm dumb. I don't remember sunscreen. Just, I always think, ah, oh, it's going to be bad. And then I get in and I'm like, what happened? Um, but, but truly it is like when I'm outside, I'm at peace. And, and this is something I decided to do a long time ago. I remember I used to hate cutting my grass. I used to live in a house in Smyrna with a tiny yard that was like a giant hill and it was all rocks. And there was no grass. There was like weeds. And so I was newly married, and I'd be like, I hate cutting the grass. And I'd get out there and be like, stupid grass. And the whole time, I'm just not happy. And then, you know, I, I heard a sermon about just being thankful for everything you got. And I said, you know what? The next time I cut my grass, I'm going to pray the whole time I cut my grass. I don't know what I'm going to pray, but I'm going to do it. So, so uh, you know, I, I go out the next time to cut my grass in this little tiny yard in Cheney Boulevard right next to Laverne High School with rocks and things hitting me in the ankles. And I just start praying. And, and I was like, God, thank you for my house. Like, thank you for giving me a wife that is more beautiful than I deserve and is cooler than I deserve. And thank you for legs that, and I literally spent 30 minutes of just thanking God for the things that I had been complaining about the previous time. And it gave me like this energy. Like I wanted to go cut the neighbor's grass, right? So I, I've changed whenever I, I decided whenever I'm outside working, I'm going to spend the first 15 minutes with God. No matter what, if I'm out chopping wood, I'm going to be praying or, or listening to a podcast, although that's not as effective, I don't think. But I realize that's my place of having alone time and quiet time and just awesome time with God and how important that is. And I need a better place than that, honestly. But I started thinking like the, everybody needs those places and we need to be aware of them. And then today, has it, did any of y'all get up and go to early service? Anybody? Dude, you did? You guys? How old are y'all, man? I'm proud of you. That's what I'm talking about. Good job. You, that's good. Well, you, well, you know, I mean, like, I went to early service, but I had a kid that was up at like 5.15, so it's not hard for me to. Um, Daryl, did y'all go to early service? Slackers. Um, so... So anyway, so at, at service, David was talking about the temple and, and how the Israelites built this temple so that God could have a place and so they could go and find a place to go be with God, right? And, and how awesome that is. And, and, and it wasn't necessarily like this temple was close to them. You know, some of them is a three or four day journey to get to this temple where they could be with God. And then we have Jesus. And we can always be with God now. Like, we don't have to travel somewhere to be God. We can have that same quiet, alone, peaceful, awesome time with God and Jesus right here. But I think we forget to do it sometimes. So here's what I want to say. I want to just pose this. And let a few people answer, because I think it's good to just think on it and to share and to hear other ideas. Where's y'all's place? Like, where's your place? When you, you know, back in the day, the Israelites would go to this temple to be with God. Where's your place today that you go to be with God, where you're focused and you're, you're there? And, and mine is a sad one because I'm always doing something else in mine. Like I'm working in the yard, but I do feel like it really brings me and it, it heals my soul. But do you guys have a place where you go to be with God? And let's just share a few. I think it might be kind of fun to hear a few. Not to steal your idea, but I'm over yards for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And is that where you went? Yeah. It helps, doesn't it? Just, you know, putting my hands to something doing work. Mm-hmm. Enjoyable. 
You can steal my idea. Any others? I uh, like walking in our woods in our backyard. Mm. And it's nice to hear the birds sing and see the sun like peeking through the trees. And I feel close to God there. That's awesome. I feel close to God when you set, explained it. You did a very good job explaining that. You're right. Any others? Awesome. I got a good horse story to tell you sometime. Somebody's about to say something. Carol, what about you? I think maybe that was you that started talking. Well, I literally have a closet that, that I... Especially if something's troubling me, and, and it's really helpful to be in a position like sometimes I'm literally laying on my face, and and I think that helps to kind of humble us. Mm -hmm. If I can get outside, you know, I like to be outside, but you know, when I'm not in the winter months. It is hard in the winter months. Yeah. Any others? I have a chair. Yeah. What about it? That's where I go and have tea with God. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And everybody knows when you're in that chair that that's what you're doing or? God does. God does. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Cheryl does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I will say this, you know, I used to live in Alaska before I was a Christian. And, and, and I'm telling you, I went to some of the most beautiful spots you'll ever see. And before I ever even imagined having a relationship with God, I had a relationship with God in those places. Does that make sense? I would go to these places, and one of them I'll explain, or I'll say is called Thunder Mountain. And, and I've, as of now, I've taken my, my wife up there now, and then I brought my daughter, who was 11 at the time, and made her hike this mountain. She almost didn't make it. But it's my, that's kind of the first place I had time with God. You climb up this mountain, and literally at the top of this mountain, there's a huge mountain range that wraps around. And there's this thing called the Juno Ice Field right behind it, where it, it's basically just a giant plate of ice. And out of that ice field, all these glaciers come out. So when you stand up on Thunder Mountain, you see, if you look back this way, you see the ocean with Juneau, Alaska in the background and, and mountains all everywhere. But then when you look this way, you see glaciers coming down from the mountains. And you see behind it bigger mountains that look like they're in the middle of the Himalayans. And I can remember as like a 20-year-old being up there going, God exists. Like, this is too amazing for there not to be a God. And when I would be up there, I would have these close relations, or this close feeling with God before I even knew what I was actually doing. So I'm big on, it's important to have places where you can just be with God. Right? I just think it's crucial. Anyways, I thought y'all needed to hear that because I feel like God was pulling me to say that. Because he put it on my heart, and then when David preached about what he pre preached about today, I thought, maybe we need to talk about that. So, Make sure you have a spot, guys, is what I'm saying, where you can just know, if I need time with God, here's where I'm going to go. Or if I'm at a spot where I'm maybe not where I need to be, here's where I need to go. Or my God is so amazing, he sent his son so that I could be with him anytime. I need to spend more time going here, right? Like, just make sure you have those spots. Okay. Any other thoughts before we move on? I'm nervous because i got an elder in here. He's evaluating me. <laughs> uh, all right, so today we're gonna we're gonna have a little fun. 
Yeah. No, no Kahoot. Did you say Kahoot? I have a YouTube video in case I screw up. I don't need to do a Kahoot. Next week, we're going to do a Kahoot. You ready? Bring your phones, and we'll do a Kahoot. I'm for real. About everything we've learned in Ephesians. So, we'll do it. we're doing a Kahoot next week. I love it. I'm not lying. We are going to do one. Um, so, here's, here's, do you guys have any pet peeves? Does anybody have any pet peeves? We all have pet peeves, right? What's your pet peeve? I bet you got some good ones. Give me one of your pet peeves. Oh, my daughter, my daughter wakes up in the morning with a stuffed up nose, so in the morning she can't chew with her mouth closed, and I, I love her, but man, if you ever hear a kid who's having breathing problems eating waffles with soy butter, we, we don't have a peanut butter allergy, with like peanut butter on them, and they're breathing out of their mouth and chewing, it just, man, it's like a, this noise where I'm like, Violet, I'm just going to walk away for a minute, but yes, I struggle with that too. Any other pet peeves, fun pet peeves, what's yours? Well, there's corn in the ministry suit. I don't think corn belongs there. Now, that's way above my pay grade, because I don't even know what is in minestrone soup. Do you like minestrone soup? You don't even know what's in minestrone soup, do you? He works in a restaurant. Do you know minestrone soup? No. Oh, good. All right, so one of my pet peeves is this. One of my pet peeves is when I hear people using Scripture to, to prove something, and they're, they're taking Scripture so far out of context that it, it just blows me away. Like, I can't stand that. I hate when we just use little chunks of Scripture to try to Agree with what we want to agree with. And I think this next one might be one where we've heard it and, and we, we hear it and, and then some people automatically jump to certain things. So we're going to actually take time in the scripture. Um, but before we do that, what does it take to have a good marriage? Only non-married people can answer this. What do you think it takes to have a good marriage? What do you think? Communication is key. Don't lie to each other, right? That's pretty obvious. Any other things? What do you think it takes? Commitment. Commitment. What about you, man? What do you think it takes to be, have a good wedding, good marriage, <laughs> or a wedding? No, I was going to say communication. Communication. You got, a lot of us have parents we've seen like, that have had strong, great relations. What do you think? You're shaking your head. What, what does it take to have a good marriage? Transparency, for sure. Like you guys are so wise. Balance. Balance. That's a big key word. Not burning down the house, not burning down the bank account, and not burning down the bridges. So don't screw up. <laughs> Which actually, no. Well, I screw up all the time. Like I say, the fact that God gave me Sarah. Like if y'all know, y'all may not know my wife, but she's prettier than me, right? And she's smarter than me. And it just makes life a lot easier. So marry somebody prettier and smarter than you. That's my advice. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we're going to jump into some scripture about kind of husbands and wives. And, and you guys are in college, and you say, why do we need to learn this? At one, because we're just studying the book of Ephesians. So kind of like what David's done, he's kind of inspired me. Man, quit trying to find things. Just go through the Bible. It's a lot better than what you can do. So this is what ne is next. And also, you guys are at like... 18, you 18 yet? 18 to probably 32. Anybody older than that? No. So, That's targeting. <laughs> so you're going to probably be thinking of marriage in the next few years or sometime soon. So that's why I think it's valuable. So um, let's go ahead and turn to five, Ephesians 5.22. And I'm going to ask 
Um, Holly, can, do you want to read? Can you? I feel bad that y'all are way down on the couch, man. But okay, good. So Holly's going to read five twenty-two and twenty-three. Excuse me. What did I tell you I wanted you to read? Let me make sure I got it right. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read to read twenty-two through twenty-five. I got it there. And then we're just going to pause and talk it out. And I'm going to say this. Did I already say this? But I have a YouTube video. If I screw up and I'm not clear on what I want, I have a five-minute YouTube video that does a really good job. We're going to show it. So it'll make, correct everything I say wrong, okay? But hopefully we don't need that. But if I play that at the end, you go, oh, Adam feels like he missed something or screwed up. So, Holly, go for it. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wife, so let the wives lead to their own husbands in everything. All right. So we've all heard this, right? You've heard this scripture before. I had this scripture read at my wedding. A funny story. My dad, we call him Jimbo. Unfortunately, he's not a, a believer yet, but I'm still working on him. He's 72. So add him to your prayer list for me. I don't know if he had ever read the Bible. But he read this scripture in my wedding. I'll never forget it. Like, it makes me a little teary-eyed when I think about it. So regardless, this scripture is very important to me because that's the only time I've ever seen my dad read the Bible. He was smoking a cigarette while he did it, but he read the Bible. Like, so this is special to me. Um, but what, so I come from a family. He did not smoke during the wedding. I watched him practice and he was smoking a cigarette while he practiced. Now I got to clarify that. Dad, he didn't smoke in the wedding. Like, it was really cute. We got a picture of him in our wedding book. He used to smoke. He doesn't anymore, but he's reading the Bible, smoking a cigarette, and I'd never seen him read the Bible before. So that picture is always really special to me. Um, but we read this in, in our wedding, and so I come from a more secular family, right? Like my wife's family, is, is she grew up going to, to uh, church and, and in a very spiritual family, but my family is the opposite. So what was the, the reaction to this scripture, do you think? What do you think we heard? Yeah, what are you talking about? Submit. Why is that word? Why does that bring up so many emotions? You think when people hear that? What do you hear when you hear wife submit to your husband? What's your initial reaction? He's the boss. Do what he says, right? And let me give you a little advice, gentlemen, ladies. You can put earmuffs on for this one. When you do get married, it's not funny to joke about, like, hey, you're supposed to submit to me and stuff like that, because I used to play those jokes, say those things to my wife. They don't think it's funny. I'd be like, I thought you were supposed to submit to me. No, just don't do it. I'm trying to help you not fall in things I did. But submission is not something our country holds up on high esteem, right? Go ahead. I had a student one time to ask a female co teacher of mine, we were co teaching a class, ask her uh, after after school, she said, there were some people in her class, some, some other students, who believed that, that wives were supposed to submit to their husbands, and she couldn't believe that people still held that opinion today. Mm -hmm. And this is somebody that goes to church, okay? So was my, so was my female co-worker. She said, she said, can you explain it to me? And my female co-worker said, no, not really. You'd have to ask Mr. Horton. He goes to a church that believes that. 
And I said, yes, I do, because it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I do believe it. There you have it. Is it, is it? So what, how would you define submitting to your husband in the Bible? How would you define that? The, the catchphrase, as to the Lord. As to the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, I see all throughout the both three, all three I'm pour your Bible verses. real quick. Do you mind? To the Lord, as Christ is head of the church, as Christ submit, as the church submits to Christ. Yep. So it, it, it's all a picture of being submissive to Christ. Ephesians brings everything back to Christ. Like when you read Ephesians, it's always like, bring it back to Christ, bring it back to Christ. So is it a bad thing to submit to your husbands? I don't know. What do you? I mean, as we, as we fulfill a post and we serve a role and work towards a mission with God, it sounds like God's saying, here's your post, here's your mission within the family as you have a mission with me. And here's how you can best serve and be effective. Mm -hmm. and, and, and see, when I hear it, I, I, I think we also got to remember, like, kind of like when we read Deuteronomy, it, it's, it's hard to hear something from so far back and, and we have a different kind of culture and to see where the, the middle ground is or, or what, we're, what they're saying, like the whole statutes versus, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, precepts, yeah, and things like that. But if I were to say this, Jesus, how do I say, I'm trying not, I'm the worst about saying stupid stuff. And putting my foot on it. So I'm really trying to be very careful. Thank you, Nick. You, hopefully you'll beat me. She said it was you. but um, So go ahead. If somebody says something while I'm developing my thought, go. Because well, right, I don't want it to come out wrong. I, you know, when Todd and I got married, that was something that we had a long discussion about just, just because um, I, I struggled a little bit with it. And I think for me, Part of it is a marriage is a partnership, but there are some times in that partnership that you're not going to come to a consensus. And for us, that was a when we when we hit that point, that would be a he would he would finally make the call, mm -hmm. you know. And for me, that's what this submit means. It is it's out of love, you know, because we love the church and we love Jesus, and and you have to yield to. Um, a final voice. Mm -hmm. and Let me say this. We've never come to that point. Yeah, that's good. Because here's, I, I, this jumps out at me. There are three verses where Paul talks about the wives and their husbands. And then there are, um, what, eight where he talks about husbands loving their wives. Mm -hmm. um, and talks about love your wife like God loves the church, which means be willing to lay down your life for her. Um, love your wife like you love your own body. I think that he's probably saying very much the same thing to husbands, but we're a little more stubborn, so he has to say it like more clear. Six different ways. It's true. And I think if I were to say, and this, will, I th this may be a dumb thing, and Nick, since you are an elder, just, just like shut me down if I am. But would we say like Jesus' message was a sexist message for the time? Is that okay to ask? Is that okay to ask? I mean, like Jesus was the opposite of what we would consider like a sexist person. Like he gave, he lifted women up. Like women were lifted up and viewed in such a higher way than, than 
than before than other than than how it was culturally acceptable. Am I right or wrong? Would somebody agree or disagree? It's right, you know. And, and so I think when we think about this message, like in many ways, it could have been liberating for, for women at the time. Like the, we got to think about it that way. Like Jesus, he was not one that was saying, oh, you know, we just got to hide our women. And, and he put women in places that were never in places before, right? So he, he was not what I would consider like somebody who was anti-female. And, and in fact, I don't remember in Galatians, but there's a section in Galatians where it talks about like, there's no hierarchy of importance spiritually, right? Like we're all equally important. First Corinthians 12, uh, 12, it, Paul writes a pretty extensive letter about uh, we're all part of a body in Christ. And yeah. Should the eye say to the foot, I'm more important than you? No, they both serve a function. Sure, 100%. Even insignificant part hinders the body. And, and one of my, the scriptures that I, that kind of, I think, equal, like proves this is 1 Corinthians 7. So 7, 4, I'm going to read it real quick. It says this. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Like, okay, like, it's all about how we read it to me. Like, I think what the message is, is like, two become one and just work together in many ways, you know. So, but we're going to keep reading, unless somebody has something else they want to, like, add to that. Please help me out. <laughs> if y'all can't tell, I'm highly uncomfortable because I'm so worried I'm going to say something stupid. So I apologize for that. Go ahead. This is like one of my, um, if you could say it's like one of my pet peeves or whatever for, especially in the church, to see wives like not do this mm -hmm. and to say the things that the world tell me what to do, I'm my own woman kind of thinking, line of thinking, and when I got married, we we were not, Daryl and I both grew up in church, but we were not in church when we were first married, and I, when we did go back to church, I had a lot of those sort of attitudes, and I had this one really good friend who, one day I was talking to her, and I was just talking about certain things with marriage and she said she directed me toward a book called Love and Respect and um, it like completely changed my life because it was about this mm -hmm. and it was about honoring my husband at, because for God and I mean I I was reading that book and, and he would come home from work and I would just cry like I'm so sorry you know that I had this attitude of, you know, you're, that I can do what I want and you just have to sort of deal with it, you know, and, and learning what submission means to God was a huge, like, shift in my life. Mm -hmm. and, and now I just am like, okay, you know, even when it's still hard sometimes, like she, like she was saying, like, just deferring to this is your role, you know, like, I have a place and I'm supposed to help, but I can't be, I'm not in charge. Yeah. It's true. I mean, and it does, it does take a lot of like, 
self-realization maybe? I don't know. And I think this, I think God did a lot of things for multiple reasons. I think one of the reasons is if, if, if men, and this, I'm not one that always clowns on men. I feel like everybody just, it's easy to make fun of men in this day and age. But I do know my personality. And if, if God said, hey, let wives handle everything and let them kind of be the head and let them make all the decisions, I'd be straight up cool with that. Because as a guy, I don't necessarily want to make decisions. Like, my wife calls me and is like, what should we have for dinner? I'm like, I don't care. She's like, no, you decide because I'm tired of making decisions. And so I think some of the things God did was to make us actually do things, right? I don't know. That's my own thing, my own opinion. So we got to keep reading because we only have about seven more minutes. So let's finish um, 20. Let's just finish uh, five and just finish this section. Do I got a guy that wants to read? I like having... A guy read the guy section, girl read the girl section. How about you there? Uh, go ahead. You want to do it? And anyway, one of y'all three men. Go ahead. I don't care who does it. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are parts of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Awesome. Love, I stole your Bible, man. I'm sorry, I forgot I took it. I was trying to find a certain scripture, and I didn't have it, and I left my, sorry. Um, so let me pull it back up. So, um, Love your wife's like Christ loved the church. What does that mean? How do you love somebody like Christ loved the church? How did Christ love the church? He died for it. He sacrificed himself for the church. How else did he love? How else would that look? What else does it mean? Love your wife like Christ loved the church. I mean, that's the big one. I wish you would have waited and said some other one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a lot though, right? What else? I mean, how else would you say he loves the church? Did Christ love the church? Yeah, like immensely. And, and, and I often think about it this way. Man, it might be harder to, for me. Like I think as a husband, I might be, have a better chance of submitting to somebody than loving somebody like Christ loved the church because that's a big, that's a tall order. Like loving my wife like Christ loved the church, that's not easy to do. And I love my wife a lot. Like y'all, I've, I've never had any doubts that I'm married to the right person. I've never had any thoughts of, like, doing anything stupid. I love my wife. But to love her like Christ loved the church is a tall order. And, and so I think we lose sight of that. Like we, we, and that's why I said my pet peeves is when we hear these scriptures and people say in this day and age, wives submit to your husbands. Like, that's antiquated. That's old. That's, that's ridiculous. But then we don't think about the next part. Like, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church? Holy cow. That's a tall order to do. And one of my favorite parts about this section that we leave out 
is what happens right before we jump into this. So I, that's why I grabbed your Bible. I'm going to grab it one more time. But like right before this section that's all about wives and husbands, it says this. Let me make sure I get it all. I'm just going to start in uh, 520. Give thanks always and everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it jumps straight into wives and husbands. So basically, before we even get into it, he's saying, oh, we got to submit to each other. And, and, and what that means, I still don't know. But, but what I do know is it means God's not telling wives to be weaker or be less than their husbands. And God's not telling husbands to be like this domineering force. God's telling us when we do reach marriage, which is a great gift, guys, to submit to each other. And to, truly, the key is this. Hold on. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one. When marriage is done right, and two truly become one, I think it's easy for wives to kind of submit to their husbands like they're being asked to in this scripture. I think. And, and when two become one, and you're in a true like marriage that we're called to do, it makes it a lot easier for me to try to love my wife. And I'll be honest, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I just don't know if it's possible. But I'm going to keep trying, Okay. But, but I do think when I'm in that relationship where two truly become one, it makes it a lot easier to try to love my wife like Christ loved the church, right? So, um, man, I don't think I, we answered anything or clarified anything other than this. Y'all are at that age, right? So I'm glad Ephesians came up. Eventually you'll probably get married. No matter what, submit to each other. Love each other like Christ is calling us to, and it's, and it, and it's going to be so much better. And the ultimate thing is this, is if we can figure out a way when you get, when you become two become one, it just makes it easy. I promise you that it really does. Nick, can I get an amen? You think so? Absolutely. Amen. Can, can somebody kind of add anything before we close out to make sure we have a point to my lesson? I would, I would like to restate what you just said just a moment ago in the negative and I've got to use a couple of foreign terms mm -hmm. that is that he tells women to submit to their husband and what he's not saying there is kowtow mm -hmm. he's not saying we are not worthy we are not worthy women you're supposed to get down and he's not saying to the men machismo mm -hmm. when you know he's not saying that this is the kind of relationship. That's an earthly, mm -hmm. human, power-based relationship. We submit out of strength. I'm not submitting when somebody else beats me into submission. Okay? I'm just laying there and taking it. Mm -hmm. But when I submit to my principal at school, when I submit to my wife, or as an adult, and I submit to my parents... That is, that is from a position of strength, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. He submitted mm. to the church. For our good, he did this. And so I just see that, uh, you know, I think the world view is that, that kowtow, 
machismo kind of dichotomy, I guess. Uh, you know, two ways of looking at, no, that's not what he's talking about at all. And he sums it up, with, like you said, he sums it up with, you must love your wife as you love yourself, and she must respect you. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because I beat my wife into submission, in air quotes, just because that would not make her respect me. Mm-hmm. She, she's but loving yeah. her and doing things for her and doing things for our children and doing things for her security, those things do show that love. Well, and, and I think about, like, the whole message of Jesus. Like, the, the story of Jesus is, is he came, and, and I think we, everybody at the time wanted this warrior that was going to show, like, machismo, like, ah, oh, y'all are done, Rome or whoever. And, but he was the opposite of that. Like, he came and brought a message of peace and love and submission. When at any time, like, what did, he could have, like, snapped his fingers and you're done. You know, like, he had the power to do it. I think it takes more power to, to have that strength and to stand back and be like, all right, I'm still going to submit than it does to have any other kind of power, right? Like, so super good point. All right, that's it. Any other thoughts before we close out? Carol Lamb's going to wrap us up. I have one little practical thing. Um, Todd and I have been married about, about 13 years. Um, we've been married for 
But that became our foundation, and I think that's the only reason we've survived as long as we are. So make that y'all's foundation, like, just from day one, pray together. I have guy friends that are still uncomfortable praying in front of their wives. It blows me away. But we've done it since the get-go. All right, we're going to close out. We're done. Holly's got one more thing, and then we're wrapped up.